April 27th, 2015. Order. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Glad you are joining us wherever you may be. We are continuing on in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Now, if you've missed any of our other previous podcasts, you can go and find those all on iTunes. They're also at our website at friendschurchcapay.com. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times when I love having order. I want everything lined up, and I want things to happen in a very predictable kind of way. Uh, The other week, I had to go to the DMV to renew my driver's license, and I couldn't do it online because my driver's license has had the wrong birth date on it since I got it. And I figured, well, now that I have to renew my driver's license, I might as well go and get this taken care of. So I get up early in the morning and head to the DMV, and I walk in, and I take a number, and I sit down, and I wait for about an hour, and then they eventually call me up. And I go up to the front counter, and I brought with me my passport so I can prove my actual birth date. And I I explained to them, hey, I'm here to renew my driver's license. I have, um, but there's a problem. My birth date on my driver's license has been wrong. So I brought my passport so you can see um, my actual birth date. The lady, she looks at my driver's license and proceeds to tell me about how it's wrong for me to be carrying around a, a driver's license with false information on it that that it's illegal that I'm not allowed to do that and I said well you know I understand but I just didn't want to have to deal with the DMV I didn't want to have to go through the hassle of trying to get it changed and but I'm here I'm trying to do it now she continues to go on about me being irresponsible and not not um not being responsible responsible with my with my driver's license and this this could have caused many many problems and I said well all right well I, I haven't experienced any problems until now. So um, so here, here's my passport. And so she she goes into the computer and she, she en- types a bunch of stuff in and uh, hymns and haws. And then she tells me, all right, come back next week and then we'll be able to renew your license. It's going to take a week for, the system, for this to get entered into the system. And I said, all right, great. I'll, I'll come back next week. So I gather my papers and I, and I head out the door and go home and... And then next week comes and I and I show up bright and early, right when they open the doors. And I was like the second one in line. I was like, all right, I just got to, you know, tell them the same story. Hopefully it's bright in the computer and then I'll be on my way. Should take five minutes. So I get there and I'm the second one in line and they call, call me shortly. And, and I go up to the desk and it's somebody different this time. And I explain to them, look, I was here last week. Um, my driver's license had the wrong birth date on it. I just want to renew my license and get the right birth date put on my driver's license. And then I proceed to get the same lecture, right? I get the same lecture about how irresponsible I am for allowing myself to continue on all this time uh, with the wrong information on my driver's license. I said, look, I understand. I had this lecture last week. I'm, I'm trying to make it right now. And so he pulls up my information on the computer, and of course, what the lady said didn't happen. It still has my old birth date. And so, uh, so the guy's hitting and hawing over this, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm probably going to have to come back next week again, huh? And he types a few things into the computer, and uh, I pay the $30 uh, fee to renew my license. All right, you're good to go. should show up in a week. And I'm like, that's it? 
you know, you know, there's something that was uneasy about that whole process, right? Like I just wanted to go and pay the fee, get my get my uh, birth date changed, and my driver's license renewed. I wanted to be simple, but of course, you know, going to the DMV is never going to be simple. It's never gonna be the way you expect it, right? I, um, I'm sure we all have stories like this. I know whenever my wife and I we go on a date. Uh, my wife always reminds me that our best dates are the ones when I have planned ahead. When I have created a specific order in which we're going to do things. We're going to go get dinner, then we're going to go see a show, and then we're going to go have dessert. And we have the places picked out and lined, lined up ready to go. Now the dates when I'm like, well, let's just go out and we'll, we'll see where the wind blows us. Those, those are the dates that create the most tension because there's no order, there's no predictability. So that's what we're talking about today, order, right? There's a lot of things that in life we want things to happen in a specific order. We, we, want, we want things to be lined up. We want things to be predictable. But what happens when God works outside of our order or the things and systems that we have created? That's where we are today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kendeke, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared to Aztus and, and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So as we know, last week, Philip, he was in Samaria, and he goes and he preaches the gospel to the Samaritans, and many people believe. And now the Holy Spirit tells Philip to go on another unlikely journey and tells Philip to go down um, a road that is not very often traveled. He's told to go south, and in the Greek, it kind of gives this allusion to it being the middle of the day. So it's the hottest part of the day, and Philip's told to go and travel on this road at a time when not very many people would be on it. 
And as he's being faithful to his leading of the Holy Spirit, there's this Ethiopian eunuch that he comes across riding in a chariot. Now, a eunuch is a castrated male, often done to young men, meant as a mark to symbolize dedicated service, usually to somebody of nobility. And in this case, this eunuch, he's charged with service to the queen of Ethiopia. Now, at some point, um, this Ethiopian eunuch began to follow God. And it says that he is actually on his way back from Jerusalem to his home um, after worshiping. Now, something to, um, we need to know is that eunuchs were not allowed to worship in the temple. So this eunuch would go faithfully to Jerusalem to go where people would worship, but he himself was not allowed to worship in the temple. In Deuteronomy 23, verse 1, it says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. And the reason why God gives his people this instruction was because many of the cultures around them at this time were practicing um, uh, male castration, right? They were, they were um, castrating males. And they would do this as a symbol of service and dedication to um, usually somebody of nobility. And God did not want his people to do that. He did not want his people to be doing this to males. And I think we could all all celebrate God uh, not wanting to do that to males. See, but the way it was later interpreted was that no one who is a eunuch, no matter where you've been, can ever enter the temple. What was originally meant to be something for the people of God, don't do this, began um, wasn't later interpreted to keep people out, to keep people in a specific order. You can come in and you have to stay out. So Philip comes across this eunuch who's traveling back from Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit tells him to go up to the chariot. And so Philip, he's faithful and he goes and there's this man, this Ethiopian eunuch, reading scripture. And, and Philip approaches him and says, do you know what you're reading? And the eunuch responds, look, I'm not sure who the prophet is talking about. Is he talking about himself or is it someone else? Now, if ever you needed an opportunity to preach the gospel, um, it's just falling right into Philip's lap, right? It doesn't get any simpler. Here, here he is, this man, he's reading Isaiah that's speaking about Jesus. And so Philip, he preaches the gospel uh, to this eunuch. And, 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 and he gets done preaching and tell, telling the eunuch the gospel of Jesus. And, and we get to the, the high point of this text. And it's this question that the eunuch asks Philip. And I think that this question is loaded. He asks, what can stand in the way of me being baptized? See, this question is loaded, right? He was a eunuch, meaning that choices had been made for him since he was a young boy. He was castrated as a young male so that he would serve at, um, in service to the queen of Ethiopia. And so his life was always um, meant to live in a specific order. This is who you are. This is what you do. Anything outside of that um, is wrong. And he, at some point, he comes to faith in God. But he, as a eunuch, is unable, is, he as a eunuch is unable to worship in the temple because of a specific order that has been created and that he is not allowed in. And so in his mind, 
after hearing the gospel, he's thinking, all right, what's the catch? Why? What would exclude me from participating in the resurrection of Jesus? What would exclude me from receiving the Holy Spirit? There has to be something that's holding me back because of who I am. Jesus tells a story about a father who has two sons. The younger son goes to the father and asks for his share of the inheritance. And this is essentially wishing his father to be dead. And so the father, he gives him his share of the inheritance and the, the younger son goes and he, he goes to Las Vegas and he puts it all on black and he loses it all. And he spent it recklessly and he ends up getting a job feeding pigs and he's so desperate and he's so hungry that he looks what the pigs are eating and he thinks, man, that looks so good right now. Eventually, the younger son, he comes to his senses and he returns to his father and the father sees him from a long way off and he goes out and he meets him and he clothes his son and he throws a giant party he kills the fatted calf and there's dancing and rejoicing that this son who was once lost has been found he has returned and there's this big party and everybody is celebrating that this son has come home and then the scene shifts and and the older son he's standing outside of the party he's standing outside of the celebration and the father goes to him and asks, what's wrong? And the older son proceeds to say, I've worked hard for you all these years. I come in on, I work late on Fridays, I even work the weekends, and not once have you ever celebrated me. Not once have you killed the fatted calf for me. Not once have you thrown a party for me. But this son of yours who, who asked for his share of the inheritance has gone and spent it and blown it and then comes back and you celebrate, what's wrong with this picture? And I love the, the, the words of the Father, and it's no stretch that these are meant to be the words of God to God's people. He says this, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. You see, the son who stayed home and worked was working to maintain a certain order of how he believes the world to work, right? Work hard and you will receive the inheritance. But the words of the father, you are always with me. You already have it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You are my child. You already have it. Now, Jesus tells this story to his Jewish audience, a Jewish audience who who's lives in ritual, who lives in a specific way to maintain a specific order. And his message to them is no amount of faithfulness is going to earn you more favor. See, the beauty, beautiful mystery of all this is that they already have it. God loves them. See, isn't this the way that Eve is tempted to believe that she is somehow lacking, that she is somehow missing something, and that if she partakes in the fruit that she will become like God. But the truth is she already has God's favor. And so the good news for the eunuch who has been a victim of human order is that nothing can separate him from God's love. He's used to going to the temple and being excluded because of human order. So when he asks the question, 
what's holding me back from being baptized. He's expecting there to be a reason. But because of the way this text has unfolded, we see that this is not anything of human doing. Philip did not go down there on his own accord. Philip, it's all by the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that man is doing. This is something God is doing. You see, we like order, don't we? We like things defined in a box, clear and logical, precise, distinct, simple, and straightforward. And the reason why the eunuch is left out because of a particular way in which humans tried to understand God. And I think it's the same reason why today we struggle with the reality today that God loves us. We already have it. We don't have to earn it. See, we want to place God's love in a specific order of the way the world works. Who gets it? Who doesn't? Who can have it? We want to be able to manipulate it, assign it, earn it, pay for it, give it. We want to talk about who has it and who doesn't. Who's in? Who's out? Remember last week, Simon he sees this power of the Holy Spirit being descending on, on people, and his inclination is he wants to be able to control it. He wants to be able to have it. He wants to pay for it and distribute it at his will. See, but the love of God is much more mysterious than that. N.T. Wright, he points out that we as Americans... In the Western world, we've attained more and a higher standard of living than any other human beings who've ever walked this earth. But yet he finds it fascinating that we who have attained so much, we talk about hell more than any other people in the Western world than Christians all around the world. We talk about hell, we talk about who's in and who's out more so than anybody else. Because the reality is we want things defined in a logical box. We want A plus B equals C. We often try to think of the world in these terms of cause and effect, but we know deep within us that this world is much more mysterious than that. This eunuch has been a victim of human order. A plus B equals C. You can't participate because of who you are. You are designated to this role, and that's just the way it is. I'm sorry, but you're outside. But God's love is much more mysterious than that. In the psalmist, 139, verse 7 through 12, the psalmist writes this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. The psalmist is trying to put words to this mystery. He's trying to put words to this mystery that God loves us no matter how far we try to run, regardless of human order. You see, we don't worship, we don't attend church, we don't serve the poor or help our neighbors or give so that we can earn favor with God. 
We can never sing loud enough. We can never be faithful enough. We can never serve enough or give enough. See, the mystery of God is that he loves us and he knows that we are unable to reciprocate in a big enough way. Philip Gooley writes this, I'd like to think God loves me because of my sterling character and pleasant demeanor. But when I suggest this possibility, my wife's uncontrollable laughter quickly deflates such delusions. It seems much more likely that God loves every person as much as God loves me. I believe God is love and that everything God does, God does because of love. When this love is poured on the wicked, the rebellious, and the resistant adjectives that fit all of us on occasion, we call it grace. You see, we live in a particular way because we are transformed by God's grace and mercy. And we live because of God dwelling in us, because God is love. See, our temptation is to place an order on God's love and make it something that is earned. Uh, having served in youth ministry, you get bombarded with curriculum. And this, there's this overall theme with youth curriculum, and it's all about helping teens to make good choices so they're not suffering later on in life. A fancy term for this is called therapeutic deism. That if you just make the right choices, if you just do the right thing, then you will have favor with God. You see, but I, I believe this is a horrible misconception of what the church is about, what we're called to do. See, our mission as the people of God is not behavioral modification or to create a space where people can get a break from the world out there. Reggie McNeil, he writes in a book, those with a refuge mentality view the world outside the church as the enemy. Their answer is to live inside the bubble in a Christian subculture, complete with its own entertainment industry. Evangelism in this worldview is about churching the unchurched, not connecting people to Jesus. It focuses on cleaning people up, changing their behaviors so Christians, translation church people, can be more comfortable around them. See, Philip did not come, to, the Holy Spirit did not lead Philip to the eunuch so that he can change the eunuch's behavior. But the Holy Spirit led Philip to the eunuch to present the good news that God loves him, that God has taken all of his shortcomings upon himself, and that there's no human order that can separate him from the love of God. See, we have this same call as the body today that Philip has, that the Holy Spirit leads us to, that we're about connecting people to Jesus because it's through relationship with Christ do our hearts begin to change. See, we as God's people are to be a reflection of God's love to the world, not a refuge. God's love disrupts human order and human rationale. Now, I love the eunuch's response to being welcomed into this mystery of God, and it's that of joy. Think of where the eunuch has been. The eunuch, he's traveling on this hot, dusty road, traveling back from Jerusalem, a place where he has been the victim of human order, where he's just not good enough. But he goes there faithful, and he comes back 
And he's traveling on this road, reading a scripture that he doesn't understand. And after having this encounter with Philip, this man who's led by the Holy Spirit, we find him being submerged into cool, refreshing water, receiving the Holy Spirit. And and it says that he is overjoyed, that he's rejoicing. Because he is no longer a victim of human order, but he is now a child of God. And the reality is it's something he's always had, but it's been made complete through Jesus. See, God is inviting us into this mystery of his love this morning. You can't earn it. You can't figure out how it works. And there's this reality that we live in that we might only understand small glimpses of how much God loves us throughout our life. Isn't that mind-blowing that throughout our life we're going to experience God's love, but you know what? We're probably only going to experience small glimpses of it. Like we can't fully comprehend how much God loves and cares for us. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We are children of God. Some of you today maybe are the victims of human order. You've been told what you are what you're going to do, that you're not good enough, that you have to earn it. But the reality is, is that there's nothing you can do to earn it. You are a child of God. That is what you are. And he's lavished his love upon you. Maybe today, You are being invited into this mystery. You're walking into the reality of the way the world is, that resurrection has happened, that death is not the end, that there's this new order in which we live in, and God's love encompasses us all. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, not human order, not what we've been told. But may you know that God loves you, he cares for you, and that he wants to be in relationship with you. May we, friends, be transformed by the love of God. May we respond to this love in our daily walk. May we respond to his love with our neighbors, with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers, with our bosses with those people at the DMV. May we respond to this new order, a new way the world is, that God loves us, and you can't earn it.